TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, you got to hold it. Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew I, me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 413, and I am Libby, your host. And this week, we have returning guests. Hi, this is Tom. I'm executive director of screenwriting at Azusa Pacific University in L.A. County. Hi, this is Greg, TV enthusiast from St. Louis. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Weedonopolis. Hi, this is Aaron. I'm an actor and writer from Los Angeles. All right. Thanks, guys, for showing up. This week in the news, we have that Arrow is ending next season with 10 episodes. And yay! Yay? <laughs> yay. It's, it's over, actually, it's, act, it's actually been quasi-decent this after season they has, got over yeah, the first season, part of the season. Yeah, I think this season's been... actually. I've been watching this season. I haven't watched it in forever, but I'm liking this season. Uh, though I don't like the, the twist, but whatever. We've, we won't talk about that. Um, next I have that Smilf has been canceled at Showtime. Uh, Crashing has been canceled at HBO after three seasons, which makes me a little sad because I worked on season one. Um, Iron Fist star Finn Jones has been cast, uh, in a Fox, uh, serial killer drama called Prodigal Son. And follow that news with Michael Sheen has been cast as a serial killer in a Fox drama. (laughs) I'm like, what's going on, Fox? You're only doing serial killer dramas? Okay. Uh, and then Matt Balmer. Bom- Balmer. Uh, Balmer. I always mess up how to say his last name. Matthew. Uh, is set to star in season three of The Sinner. And we don't know yet what The Sin is or what that, you know, the story is around it. Uh, Tom, you have news. Yes, Amazon. Carlton Coos is out as showrunner for Jack Ryan Season 3. The upcoming Lord of the Rings prequel series will focus on the Second Age. Apple has greenlit a Brie Larson drama that she will star in and produce. Uh, The BBC miniseries The Capture has added Ron Perlman, Famke Janssen, and Laura Haddock to the cast. CBS All Access has renewed no activity for Season 3. And the upcoming Picard series has added Michelle Hurd, uh, f- uh, recently on Blind Spot and Santiago Cabrera from Heroes to the cast. We don't know what the roles are yet. HBO has ordered the comedy run from Phoebe Waller Bridge. NBC has picked up Superstore for season five. Netflix is adapting Gabriel Garcia Marquez's 100 Years of Solitude as a series, its first ever screen adaptation, and also is partnering on a Thai cave rescue series. I think it's SDK Global. And Charter Spectrum has picked up the Mad About You revival that nobody really wanted. I was about to say, was anybody <laughs> except for Helen, that? except for Helen Hunt and Paul Reiser's agents? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about The Walking Dead, and this episode uh, had Denai Guerrero in it, so at least there was that. I was watching, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much the limit of you know that, that's the, that's the level of my excitement i was like yay michelle uh so it had two storylines really going on which was 
you had uh, Alpha and Beta. We finally see the dynamics and how the Whisperers Society works, which is apparently they're bullies and they kill anybody who steps out of line, which I'm not to say that that was surprising in any way. It was a little more brutal than... I mean, getting your head sliced off, I guess, is a little more brutal than getting your head bashed in with a bat. I'm, uh, I mean, I like, to be honest, I do like her better than the whole male ego thing that was going on with uh, Lord Negan. Negan. Uh, so at least in that regard, that's better. And she is a little creepier, but I'm not sure I still care yet. Um, but the storyline with Michonne I liked better because... I part of it is everyone's reacting to information that we don't have because in the six years something happened and we don't know about and they're supposed to have an episode that has a flashback that explains it all but they're waiting a really long time to give us this flashback so everyone's reacting to Michonne and how she's behaving based on stuff we don't know so everyone's all angry with her and we don't know why they're angry with her which makes me angry at them because I'm always on Michonne's side uh, but I did think it was really interesting when Negan had the conversation with her and was saying that he's like, oh, you got a slick system here where you make everybody think that it's a democracy, but really it's, it's not. And she, she's like, he's like, you're really in charge and you'd make all the calls, but you make them believe that they have a say. And he's like, that's brilliant. And he's like, let me out of here and I'll be your second. I'll be your muscle and your advisor. And she's like, holy crap, what have I done? <laughs> Uh, so I thought that that was interesting and her conversation with, uh, uh, Judith really solidified that she's kind of become a different person and I don't think she likes that person that much. And I thought that was interesting. Um, your thoughts? Well, you know, the, the Michonne bits aside, because I always like seeing Michonne, although I don't like what they're doing with her character. Um, the... The show has reached the point where I am officially hate watching it. Mm-hmm. I it's no longer the show that that I used to really look forward to seeing and get got excited about every week. I'm I'm you know trudging through these sequences. The whispers don't interest me anymore. They were they were really scary when we didn't know what they were. Right. But once once it's established these are just a bunch of, of losers in masks, <laughs> um, it's it's not scary. And it's just it's just basically you're looking at this very strange cult of people who are, you know, running around in the countryside doing this thing and, and their leader is is a sociopath. So um, I I just I can't get interested in it and what and the characters they've killed off so many interesting people we're left with like mostly um with with few rare exceptions who we very rarely see I mean how often do we see Michonne anymore um mostly we're looking at like the the C cast uh, that's left, and, and I'm 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 not Hendy, and I'm not really interested. Spending like half the say, episode. I will have uh, to say the whole sequence with Gabriel and Eugene and Rosita was actually entertaining. Were really? Because I mean, I I look the, you know, Eugene is funny no matter what he does, so his bits are always amusing. But just the whole thing of of 
me having to believe that he's going to play Yenta to to Gabriel and Rosita's <laughs> relationship um, is it's hilarious. It's a little too far, it's you know. Really, I mean, I thought that was funny. I did think that was funny because he made the pros and cons list, and it's ridiculous. Uh, and the fact that Gabriel's at the point where he doesn't know what he's going to do, and he has to have Eugene of all people be like, "Dude, you're an idiot." Rosita's awesome. And I was and I was like, yeah, duh. Like, I mean, I felt like he was basically kicking himself if it gets to the point where Eugene has to tell him what he needs to do. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm an idiot. So I, I, I thought that was amusing. I was I was amused by that storyline. Um, but it just felt like such a strain, like they were trying to find something to do rather than it coming organically out of the story. And I just, even though I understand that a similar situation exists in the comics, although it's it's handled differently, but still, it's it just the whole thing felt really forced, and it didn't feel like you know a, a genuine Eugene moment. It felt like, oh well, Eugene is funny, so let's have him do this. Um, and and so, I, I yeah, disagree I with just, you on that, but okay. Well, let's move let's move on. Let's not. Labor, unless you have anything to say about the Michonne storyline, real quick, because you talked about all the other. Yeah, no, you pretty much covered that. And like I said, I enjoy watching Michonne, but I don't really like what they're doing with their character. Yeah, they need to give that flashback, give us the information, because right now it's really annoying. All right, let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Charmed. And this episode, uh, we basically are we're dealing with Macy trying to find a cure for her demonic blood, I guess. So she's she's made a deal with the devilish kind of thing where she's doing research at work and then her boyfriend who I find annoying, uh, what's his name, Gavin? Yeah. yeah. He's like, I will sacrifice myself to find you a cure. And I was like, whatever, just go away. I was like, yeah, sacrifice yourself so I don't have to look at you anymore. That would be <laughs> awesome. Um, I like the sisters as a whole, but I really don't like their significant others, like any of them. I don't like Gavin. And then the demon boy that the youngest. Parker. Yeah, I don't really like him. I mean, I have to give her credit. He's cute, but we already know you can't trust him. And she's giving him another shot. And I was like, oh, my God, no. And then uh, the middle sister, her girlfriend is obviously evil. Like, I don't like any any of their significant others. I feel like they have no taste in partners at all. None of them. Uh, I But but so that's that's kind of making it hard a little bit. But I do like the sisters as a whole. And uh, the white lighter, not Harry, Harry. Thank Harry. You. Uh, he's my favorite actually at the moment. Um, I like his character yeah. a lot. Um, uh, what'd you think of this episode? Well, like I, I, I pretty much echo you. I, I think Harry is like the strongest character in the whole show. I think he's certainly the strongest actor in the whole show. Um, so the more we get to see of Rupert Evans, Evans, um, the better. And I especially love the sequences in this where he gets infected with the, the, fairy dust oh it's hilarious pixie dust <laughs> starts to sing and yeah that was that was awesome it was that was great and i actually have to give it to the the actor who plays parker because when he became infected he became much more enjoyable to watch too um and he sold that also but uh yeah it was you know i i 
have a hard time getting invested in the sisters when especially they keep them separate so much of the time. Right. Um, uh, the whole thing is supposed to be like the power of three, and they are more interesting together right. than when we go off into separate storylines and have to, you know, follow all these these different B plots. So, um, you know, this, as far as like the the storyline here with like the manic pixie girl who is murdering people um it was interesting up to a point what what i think it failed with is that it wasn't until the very end that we get the sisters coming together to actually deal with this problem as a unit and and work together and at that point i think the storyline gelled but yeah they have a problem they don't they don't seem to understand what it is that works with this show and and what does not and i think separating the girls off constantly into their own threads that don't relate to each other is a weakness in the show agreed well let's wrap up uh i'm still enjoying the show i'm gonna see where it's going overall yeah, yeah. but it's it's fluff it's, it's cotton candy as far as shows go true all right next up not cotton candy the passage uh we're coming up to the season finale which is this week it's a two-parter and this episode was a lead-in build-up to it but it still did a really good job of one the 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 main soldier the head of security guy who has gone between being a good guy and a bad guy and back and forth this episode really tried to sell us on him being a good guy and I think they kind of, it kind of worked. It almost makes well, the pilot not work. Well, when the vampire hordes are getting ready to break out and kill everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you pick a yeah. side, man. Nothing, not, nothing yeah. makes you switch allegiances to the right side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, what'd you, so what do you think, Tom? Go ahead. I thought it was solid. I, this kid is good. I mean, brilliant. I, she's going to have an amazing future. My, my wife hasn't seen a lot of it, but I've told her about the show. But, but she watched the second half with me last night. And, you know, it, it's solid. I mean, what I really liked about this is that people, smart people, were not acting stupidly for a change. Because <laughs> that's, that's, that's the worst trope of all the horror films. But, uh, no, I thought it was solid. I'm... I'm almost to the point where we only have two more this season. Oh, come on. Yeah, exactly. But I guess they had a, they had a mid-season order. So I wish they hadn't. It felt like they were a bit of an, an elliptical walker for the first part of the season because they were, they were doing so much table setting those first handful of episodes before the plot really well, you, got going. I know, but you had to set up the universe, and I don't, yeah. I don't mind that. Um, so, But this episode I thought did a really good job of setting up the action. Aaron, you haven't talked a little bit. Go ahead. Yes, um, absolutely love the show and love the episode. Um, I do agree with you, Tom. The the girl is brilliant. And uh, for me, this is how you do a um, ticking clock and you raise the stakes as they're rushing to try and save her from turning. And I love the way that they're working in all of those um, telepathic moments. Right. Um, she's going down the tunnel and she has to make a choice. I think that's brilliant. And then I love even those moments uh, in the last episode, but they flash back to it a little bit with her mom. And uh-huh. I love all of those elements. And I love the way that they're revealing the story. Usually flashbacks get tiring, but oh, yeah. I love the way they work it in this show. It's like puzzle pieces slowly coming together as we start to see who each character is. Um, I, I just think it was just great. And when I knew it was going to happen, I knew they were going to get out as soon as they locked up um 
the when they they handcuffed that guy to a chair. Sorry, I forgot his name, but um, I knew he was going to free them. But oh my gosh, it was just such a great ride watching it. Um, I have I, to say I, that I, moment I when they did get out and the idiot guy was like, "Don't leave me," I was like, "Totally yeah. leave that guy." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> bite him, everybody, bite him. <laughs> <laughs> draw, draw on sharpie fangs go here <laughs> uh, but yeah I, I think that the two hour finale is going to be fantastic and, and all I'm hoping for is the ratings are good enough that we get another season yeah. Oh yeah. So the how, have, have, how have the ratings been good? Mediocre. Or how have the ratings been? They, they've been. Oh mediocre. come on! Seriously? Yeah. Really? They haven't. Yeah. Been, That's disappointing. They, they haven't been great, but they haven't been terrible. They've been they like right in the middle. With, so, well, so, I guess the, it comes to how expensive is the show to produce then? Right. Because right. if it's if it's reasonable, then then we can reasonably look to getting a second season. If it's super expensive to do this, then maybe not. Oh, Plus, this is it, one of those shows it should that sell should be overseas. A- Oh, that's it true. Should do, oh, okay. It should do what overseas. The, the networks are going to have to learn. You're going to have to start cultivating series again. Because when the baseline network audience is so low to begin with, the the, the This Is Us's that come out of the gate with huge audiences and build. That doesn't happen that's, anymore. That's, that's the exception, not the rule. Yeah. Yep. And so we're going to have to go back to like the late 60s, early 70s of cultivate a following instead of just you know canceling everything at the drop of a mm-hmm. hat. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. I think we're giving the passage a thumbs up all around. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, next up, yeah. we're going to talk about Black Lightning. And this episode was about what is that dude's name with the tattoos? What is he called? Lala. Oh, um, Lala. Lala. Thank you. This was the second return of Lala. And I was like, wait, isn't he dead? And so I like that, <laughs> that uh, uh, J- Jackson. Jefferson. Jefferson's reaction was, was the same as mine. Like, aren't you dead? Um, and then they show, because I was like, didn't he get exploded? And then they show like the scene where the guy's like throwing ju- chunks of body parts in this vat and he comes back. And I was like, oh, okay. Why? And then I'm like, well, why do they keep, res- I don't understand, but whatever. They haven't explained why this dude keeps resurrecting him. And we're just supposed yeah, to kind of go with that. Well, when he all the he poured all the bits in there and then like one scene he like pulls a piece out and I'm like, so does that mean someone's going to be incomplete? Well, I feel re- like that was maybe a tattoo. I think mm-hmm. like that was maybe like the piece he didn't add was cause it was just skin. So I, I was guessing it was a tattoo. That's all. That's all I got. Um, but what'd you think of the episode, Greg? Oh, um, yeah, I thought it was good. Um, <clears throat> although, they're still doing this thing. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, you know, here's Jefferson. He gets held, you know, for hostage. ransom. Yeah. Uh, held hostage, like, and shot, by the way. Yes. Um, you know, for most of the day. And then he gets home and everyone's like, so how was your day? And he's like, oh, nothing. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? Like, not even telling his family, like, what danger they could possibly be in or anything. It's just, yes. you know, keeping everything. Um, um but uh, yeah, but I think the biggest surprise uh, for me was, uh, you know, you got the the folks who are sur- uh, surveilling the house and they've got cameras or whatever, and they're watching everything. And then, um, and then the guy goes, um, "Are you the only people in this room that knows?" You know, I the- been like I told my pet, I got a backup <laughs> drive. Yeah. 
Like, uh, that sounds like a setup, like if you're about to be, and sure enough, yes. Uh, they were all gunned I down. I it up to the cloud, and I'm that the only one that has a password. Yeah. yeah. Not the brightest stars in the sky. Uh, but yeah, I thought Lala's return was great. Like, that that actor does a really good job. He, he elevates his performances and elevates everybody else's. So, yeah, his storyline was the, by far the best one. Because whether or not Jennifer got a good suit, I didn't really care about. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Next up, uh, we are talking about Enemy Within. This is episode two. And the first episode did a good job of setting up, I guess, the universe. But the whole thing that was weird was all the trailers pretty much tell you the big twist of the first episode. So it's kind of a letdown. You get all the way to the end and you're like, really? They didn't know why she was doing this? Okay. Um, but the second episode, now everybody's on the same page and let's see how this team is going to really work together. Uh, Greg, what you think? Since you, you watched yeah, this I thought one, it right? was. Yeah, I thought the second episode was better than the first. I had some some issues with um, uh, with some of the performances. Um, but um, I think that, um, you know, despite the weird, shaky camera stuff that they're doing, which I don't know what is going on with that, um, I think it was I, – I think it did a good job of telling the story um, and uh, the way they kind of – uh, had uh, the suspense going with the uh, you know the pages going back and forth. Although I was a little, uh, as a viewer, I guess I was a little confused as to why they didn't really explain. I don't think that the the guy who was at the um, uh, the storage container unit was apparently also the guy talking to the train conductor, but the train conductor really wasn't involved in the whole shooting at the beginning of the episode. It was like the a couple people got shot, and then they took like that guy's briefcase. So I wasn't sure what part that played in um, in them, you know, identifying him, and then the text message going to the guy at the storage unit, um, you know, for him to you know go over there and start shooting. But all in all, I mean, I am interested to see if you know this is going to be kind of a one. Uh, if they're going to like finish this entire arc in the season, or are they going to kind of stretch out, you know, trying to go after this guy for multiple seasons? I hope they don't. But I hope I, they don't I, too. I think I'm hoping that by the end of the season, she gets their trust. That she gets their trust to the point that they use her on other cases. Because right now, the the conceit is the only reason that they're using her is because she knows this particular guy, but they've been showing all season. She's really good at reading a room and figuring. And she also thinks that there's a traitor within the group that we've seen. So she's supposed to help figure out who that traitor is. So I, I like, I like the show. If you're not watching, I think you should check it out. I mean, I think Jennifer Carpenter's doing a great job. She's doing yeah. a really good job. So, all right. Uh, next up, let's talk about Roswell. And we haven't talked about that in forever. And my question to you, because I liked last the last episode where they de-aged everyone and everyone was like, uh, we did the big massive flashback. I liked that episode a lot. However, this episode I didn't like as much. They're mo- they're not moving their arc story fast enough. Thank you. Yes, that's true. It, 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 again, we talked about table setting with uh, on uh, oh, the uh, the passage. 
this this show it just too much table setting, not enough food. <laughs> it's like stop setting the table and give me something to eat. <laughs> and they keep they keep teasing all these big mysteries. I mean, the big mystery should be why did Izzy kill those people? But instead of finding out anything about that, we have to talk about it for an hour. Well, plus. we have to be like. Oh my God, she's dangerous. She's having blackouts. She doesn't know what she's doing. Let's put her in a facility and let's do. And I'm like, that doesn't liberty, get us. Liberty, blah. Yeah, it doesn't get us closer to because we in the flashbacks, especially, saw she was like a different person. She was yep. a completely different personality that was happening, and we're no closer to finding out anything about that. Yeah, uh, it just kind of mystifies me because you know this is uh, Julie Plex's show. And early days of Vampire Diaries, those arcs would they would burn through stories so fast. Yes. And this show is like the opposite. It's like how long can we stretch this story out? It's like you better get it going quickly because you know I like the cast. The premise is solid because we've done it before, but they're just not. I mean, I'm I'm still gonna watch, but you know I'm not gonna be hate watching it like <laughs> people who feel betrayed by Walking Dead after how many <laughs> decades that's been on. <laughs> Well, I will tell you this. But, at work, they're trying to pimp me episodes. They're like, hey, do you want to watch the next episode ahead of everybody? And I'm like, eh, I'm all right. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and then you see their disappointment. And I'm like, sorry, guys. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's not doing it for me. Yeah, and, and, and it's too bad because I really do like the cast. Yeah. All right, let's just move on. There's nothing more to see. Nothing more to see here. Mm-hmm. All right, next up, we're going to talk about The Rookie. And this week's episode introduced Sarah Sahi as the uh, negotiator. The Love her. And she's she's so great. <laughs> I'm so excited when she showed up. I was like, oh, my God, it's Sarah Sahi. Uh, and I like that they've set it up that she can come back. Like, it wasn't just, hopefully it wasn't just a one-off that she's actually coming back. And... Also, I like the idea of her and Nathan Fillion's character possibly having something because she's age appropriate. She's she's on the same level or a higher level than him. And I like that better than when he was sleeping with his fellow rookie who was 20 years younger than him. Like that story, I didn't like that at all. It gave me the creeps. And so this one, I'm like, okay, I can get behind this. So... I'm happy in that regards. And the case itself this week was pretty good as well. Um, and there's this moment where, you know, like, they're doing the hostage negotiation at the end, and he tells the guy, you're really a coward, and we're going to shoot you right now if you don't do whatever. And he had the seriousness to his character when he was presenting that. He almost felt a little like Mal. I was like, ooh, there's Mal. I see him right there. And because uh, normally he's he plays his character's a little insecure. He's a little bout you know, shuffling and a little, like, insecure and all that stuff. And that moment, he was he had 100% confidence, and he had a little bit of danger. And I, I was like, oh, that's how I like my Nathan Fillion. Yeah, I thought uh, the rookie is just really entertaining. Um, I like the pace. Um, they keep things really uh, going really well. And I am interested in um, the other storyline that they're kind of weaving with um, – uh, the the rookie who is kind of taking after his dad, and that um, he caught one of those escaped convicts. Oh that, right, that's putting out that, that doubt in my mind. Been, like yeah, like uh, an informant for his dad, and maybe his dad isn't you know because you know every you know a lot. Well, I was gonna say a lot of kids you know put their parents on a pedestal, 
And so um, I can see if he if he starts digging into it, you know, I think I think he's going to find that things not are not like. as white as he yeah. thought they were. Yeah, he's not, he's not going to like what he finds. Um, well, one, your parents are never perfect, even if you think they are. So, uh, but yeah, I think that storyline is going to be pretty good. And this episode was was nice. I thought this was a good one. They they, they had a it was with the one bus crash. They ended up giving us several different kinds of cases. So I thought that was that was great. All right, let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about This Is Us. And this was your very, well, I was going to say very special episode of This Is Us, but that's every episode of This Is Us. <laughs> um, but this one was very much about, you thought it was going to be one thing. You thought it was going to be dealing with Kevin's alcoholism. and Kevin he, falling off the wagon. Yeah, his relapse. And you're like, okay, him, how long is he going to be able to hide this? And I was like, oh, God, are we going to do this? But I this like, again. But I like that they didn't exactly. Like, they started the episode <clears throat> off that way, and they very quickly, like, changed gears. And before the end of the episode, he had basically admitted it to everybody. He was like, look, I can't. I can't. And Except also, for Zoe. Yeah, well, she's going to find out. If everybody in the family oh, finds yeah. out, she's going she, gonna <laughs> to find out. Um because he, he was put in a situation where he was either protecting himself or protecting his sister, and he chose his sister. But that also shows that he, I think he only really thought he was endangering himself by what he was doing. And this situation showed that, no, you're endangering everyone around you by what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that really hit him this week. Well, just as much as I was against the notion of this storyline, because we've seen this play out on so many other shows. The, mo- the the money moment for me is when Toby says, why can't you drive her to the hospital right. yourself? Mm-hmm. And right. he has to say, because I've been drinking all day. It's like, whoa. Right. So I got a hand. I got to hand it to the writers for taking something that could have been an, you know, an overused trope and cutting to the core. Right. And hopefully, you know, the resolution will be similar. Well, yeah. Well, now Toby's mad at him, justifiably. As he should be. Yeah, justifiably. Um, and and he's just going to have to face the disappointment of his whole family and, mm-hmm. and deal with it. Um, and trying to... And I get why he doesn't want Zoe to find out. But I hate that he put his sister in a position where she's got to lie. Like, no, she should never be in that position. Um, so yeah. And the flashbacks, what happened in the flashbacks? Oh, graduation. Oh, right. How the sister didn't want, how, how she didn't want to go. Kate didn't want to go. Yeah. And I'm not entirely, I think it's her whole thing is she felt like if she didn't graduate, then time wouldn't move. And, She'd be in that moment with her dad longer or something. Mm-hmm. I loved Rebecca's little freak out and the fact that Miguel was the one who kind of talks her. Oh, talks that her was good. Off the yeah, ledge. yeah, yeah. That was, and Mandy Moore really sold that too. She, she, that was a great moment for her. She really doesn't get enough credit. I mean, no, she doesn't. And that I mean, was Sterling K. Brown and, and Milo get like the lion's share of attention, but the entire cast is is. I mean, they won the SAG Award two years in a row and deserved it. But she really, I mean, this show is so well observed, especially for, you know, if you've gotten through losing a parent, which some of us have, and 
just the things that they they do that just resonate with real life. I mean, you know, all these people trying to clone it or trying to rip it off or wondering, why does nobody want to watch my show? It's like, (laughs) because it doesn't bear any semblance to reality. That's it. I mean, that's the thing. They do things like that that just feel authentic. And especially, you know, the trope of having a panic attack is so overused by so many things. And most of the times I don't believe it. Mm -hmm. And when I saw her just sitting there starting to to lose it in the theater, you know, in the auditorium, uh, she absolutely said she's going to go into a full-blown panic attack any minute. And that's exactly what she did. And it looked like a real panic attack. It was... I felt for her because I thought that's what it really looks like. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, it was fantastic scene. And yeah, they they do that all the time with this show of having moments that just feel human mm-hmm. and other shows just kind of make a pretense at that. Well, and what I really or, like with Miguel in that scene real quick is that he doesn't try to like on any other TV show, he would be like, well, I can help you and I'm going to be the one that fixes you. Mm-hmm. He was very much like you need help. And it's bigger than me, and it's bigger than you, and you need to, you need to talk to someone. Um, and I really appreciated that, especially at the time period that that was in. But he does offer the practical solution all of the video camera. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the big thing that she wants to document is his graduation. Yeah, she can't And so do she it. can, yeah. you know, she can, you know, she can, you know, kind of deal with her feelings but he'll he'll keep the record for the family, right. and you can kind of see that um, he's a good guy. I mean, it's funny that they've said that that Kevin especially has never warmed up to Miguel, but there was a reason why Miguel was Jack's best friend. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's let's move on. I think we're all saying thumbs up. Uh, well, oh yeah. Oh wait, Greg, go ahead. I'm I'm just worried about the whole uh, uh, what Randall said to Beth. Uh, oh, I want to, I want to, Hey, we'll get help. We'll get help raising the girls. Everything will be fine. And then sits down with her and says, why don't you put a pin in your, active- in your dreams? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you've got to be kidding me, dude. And that's the stuff that many divorces are made of. Yeah. I was like, I was like, Oh, this is the beginning of their divorce. Cause I couldn't understand. Uh-huh. They love each other so much. I was like, how the heck are they going to end up getting divorced? And he's always so supportive until he's not. Until he's not. Yeah. He's always about her until it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I leaned over to Sarah and we were watching and said, that's what grandmothers are made for. <laughs> yeah. It's like. I mean, that's the easy solution. Hey, Rebecca, could you live with us for a little bit or live near us for a little bit? To help? Yeah. To help us cover this, 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 this change. Yeah. And he didn't even. I don't even know. I feel like did someone hit him on the head with like a large object? Like it doesn't even almost <laughs> feel like something. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's a weird thing. Randall is so complex sometimes. Like he is so all about her, except that he can't sometimes until he can't, he's not. Yeah, he can't see. There's there's his he has like weird tunnel vision. So I almost want to say this is out of character, except that it's not really out of character. Well, I love what Deja told him. Deja, uh, what did she tell him? When, you know, you know, the story, you know, you were dropped off as a baby at the fire station. Oh, right. And now you're city councilman. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he needs to get out of his way. And sometimes I've never I've never been fond of this political thing because it really just came out of left field for me. 
And, and it felt like we need to do something to add tension to their marriage. Well, I, I mean, know. obviously, well, they're obviously, because they showed the future and they're not together. So right. they, you have to have, and I was like, how the heck is that going to happen? And now they're like, I'm like, oh. And now we know. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's how that's going to happen. Uh, and I was like, Randall, you idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, anyway, okay, let's move on before I get depressed by that. Uh, <laughs> next up, we're going to talk about the magicians. And uh, Greg, you want to start off our magicians discussion? It's it's all about oh. pennies. Well, yeah. Well, I'm not the the one who has the positive review of this well, that's week. That's fine. So you can go ahead. Start. You, no, you can uh, go ahead. You can start as a Debbie Downer, and then we'll <laughs> say some positive <laughs> we'll lift things. Lift it all up. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought the. I mean, I, I thought the episode was entertaining, but I just thought it was mostly, you know, Penny in a room with you know, some other guy, you know, reading people's stories um, and then kind of the actors, you know, acting it out. So I didn't really see, you know, the main the main uh, big story arc, you know, with the the creature or demon or whatever you want to call him. Um, the, monster. the monster. The monster didn't really move forward. And so I was just kind of like, oh, this is kind of like it seems like one of those throwaway episodes for me. I don't think it was a throwaway, but see, no. you have that whole um, male. Uh, you have a classic <laughs> case of white male protagonism, <laughs> and a because, podcaster simply can't have that. <laughs> because this episode for me was a really interesting, and uh, because the whole point is, how do you file someone's story? Are they a sidekick character? Are they whatever? And it's all about point of view and how the, the story. All these pieces have weight. And it's not all just about the monster, and it's not all just about uh, Quentin, because mm-hmm. it, it's it's actually about all these other pieces and how they all tie in. Um, and everybody's story is actually important. That's the point of this episode. Yeah, uh, which I thought it did beautifully. I thought actually. it was amazing. Yeah, and I, I also, you know, remember I think. It goes actually to the difference between the TV show and what I understand the point of view of the books, because the point of view of the books, from what I understand, is very much Quentin-centric, and the TV show has opened it up to be more of uh, an ensemble thing, and I think that this whole episode was calling attention to that. It's like, oh, it's not all about this. It's everyone's story, and everybody has has equal weight, and we were able to... I'm sorry. sorry. No, right. I, I was just going to say that everyone, we, we also got to see the, what events that we've already seen from different points of view. So it expands our understanding of what's happening and the, puts right. it in context. And it's always good to see Penny Prime. That's true. I yes. miss him so much. Sorry. <laughs> Although I was getting really tired of all the angle, camera angles in, yeah, the, uh, in the underworld. That was, I was actually starting to get dizzy watching that. It's like, turn the camera right side up, please. <laughs> they kind of stopped doing that about halfway through the episode, and I was very grateful for that. But uh, other than that... How you know you were in the underworld? Well, it's, it, they sort of drain it of, of color, color, too. Yeah, it's exaggerated. So I was just messing with I, you. I think that's I, fine. I, yeah, I, I was just messing with you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but but I, I am wondering, you know, Penny, one of the reasons Penny said that it was, a, you know, 
was agreeable to do what uh, he's doing, which is staying in the underworld, is because he was promised this fabulous future. And so far, it just looks like he's kind of stuck in a bureaucratic job, <laughs> little little office, and he's just gotten promoted through a bureaucracy. And that doesn't seem all that wonderful right we now. We don't know what his next job is, that, that what they promoted him to. That could be interesting. Yeah. Isn't it like dying last wishes or something like yeah, that? Yeah, but uh, yeah. obviously next week he knows the person who's going to give their dying. He's like, oh, it's you. Yeah, um, that I'm interested in. Because yeah. we're trying to figure out who have we seen who died recently that he would Or know. is about to die. Or is about to die. Yeah. About to die. Um, so I think that all of that stuff is really, really cool. And I'm glad we're getting Penny's point of view because I've missed him a lot. So. I like that the show mixes up perspectives. And that sometimes, you know, we can have shows that, you know, last week's show or, or two shows ago, we had a, a mostly Alice-centric with um, Cameron Mannheim from The Practice. Oh, Love fun. her. She was fantastic. She's great. She's not dead, right? She just got kidnapped, correct? Right, no, right. No, no, she, yeah, okay. she was absconded with by the librarians. Boo. Right, right. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> good episode. Uh, so, yeah. So but I, no, I, but, I, but I liked that the show... I, because that way, if, if it was the same thing every week, that would get old. And I mean, also, I, I don't like Quentin that much. So I really like that we're looking at the story from different people's perspective. Because I think he's one of the weaker actors. I like, I like the actor. I don't like the way the character is written. Because yeah. they write him to be very mm-hmm. passive, which is not good for a protagonist. Which is, you know, if if I had a choice between Quentin and Margo, the or the Margot and Elliot show, I'm going with Margot and Elliot. <laughs> yes, that's that's 100 correct. Yeah, we'll have a good. But time. he's fine as a member of an ensemble. It works. Absolutely. In that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As oh yeah, and the Quentin and Alice yeah. thing. Ugh, boring. Uh, yeah. All right. It's white bread romance. <laughs> Here's some mayo and some Swiss cheese. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery. Also, so good. Also Ooh. known as Let's Go Back to the Menagerie and do that one more. Uh, no, the Cage, Libya. <laughs> oh, sorry. The well, the Cage. The wait. Menagerie. Which one was the Which one was the two parter in the series? And which the Menagerie was the, the two parter. The Cage is the, the actual real the pilot. Actual pilot. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we'll go back to the cage. Excuse me, sorry, uh, Mister Mister Star Trek Police Guy. Uh, but doctor no. Doctor just wrote a book about Star Trek. <laughs> but uh, the previously on was so good, and what I thought oh. was amazing is I did think that Anson Mount was a good casting for Pike, but I was blown away when they did that the end of the previously on, or they do the push in on that pike and then they do the pull out on our current pike and I was like oh uh-huh. my god he's like, terrific casting that's amazing like they look so much alike I didn't realize how much they looked alike until they did that and then I was like whoa um, and they really made me feel for pike this episode like I mean all the other episodes you know pike's a good guy like we know for historically that pike's a good guy and in these episodes, they're like, he's just a really good guy that you just kind of want to hang out with. Yay. But this episode, you felt for him. You felt for how much he really loved Vanya. You felt. Vina. Vina. I thought it was Vanya. Good Lord. Vina. I'm all, Vanya. I need, 
I'm mess. I'm messing it up. All right, I'm not allowed to speak anymore about Star Trek, apparently. <laughs> uh, but I really, I, I really felt that relationship this time. Like I really, they did a great job of having her projections to him really feel real and meaningful. Um, so he really feels like a real person to me now. I mean, he sort of did before, but really now. All right, I'll let other Trekkies talk. I'm done. <laughs> Not really, but go ahead. What do you think, Tom? I loved it. I thought it was a great, uh, great follow-up to the cage, and the previously and the restored version of the cage just looks amazing. Thank yeah. you, CBS Consumer Products, for selling out the bucks to restore TOS and TNG. Um, the backstory between Spock and uh, Burnham. Yeah. It felt a little forced. It felt, I wish we had, it felt like they were missing a middle piece. Well, I, th- I actually, I really, I really liked the flashback where they were having the grown versus children and they were mi- mixed match, mix, mixing up which version was talking to which. I thought that was really powerful. I, I, I thought I, it was powerful, but it just felt like they needed one. I wish we could have seen more of them actually bonded together as brother and sister yeah, before, before, the fight. before, before she the fight. turns her back on him. It would have had more resonance. I do like, however, their repartee as adults. Cause, <laughs> <laughs> you really think that beard is working for you? <laughs> that is exactly and, what your sister would say to you. you know? and, and, and even Pike, Mr. Spock, is that a smile I detect? <laughs> <laughs> All of that I, was fact, good, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought... In terms, I mean, the A plot was great. We found Spock. We've outwitted. Uh, we've outwitted Section, Section Thirty One. Yeah. You know, for the moment, and and Michelle Yeoh is just loving, loving playing Empress Georgiou. It's just, yeah. you know, watch her choose scenery. <laughs> Take notes, younger actors. Oh. Uh, for me, kind of the heartbreaking aspect of the episode, though, was the subplot with Culber and Stamets. Oh yeah, because I mean, but it's totally of, understandable though. It's like well, a lesser show would have just had him. Oh, I was dead, but I got better. Okay, but they're actually going to take time to develop this arc, and that makes sense. And you could tell from the way they scripted it to the way both actors are playing it that as soon as he got back, something was wrong. Right, and the fact is that he's him. But he's not. Right. And, and he, he's and, been and, dead, and now he's not. And he's and got this rage that he doesn't know what to do with. He's got this rage. Oh, and when he and... Um, uh, Tyler. When he and Tyler have the, have the throwdown. Oh, wow. And the fact, that, the fact that Pike calls Saru on it. So you just let <laughs> them go at it. <laughs> and Saru just... Ex- very logically explains, and Pike's like, "Okay, yeah, don't let it happen again. <laughs> we don't solve our. Pro- this is Starfleet. We don't solve our problems with violence." Uh, Greg, what did what did you think? Oh, I thought it was a. Uh, you know, they're just hitting it out of the park this season. I just thought it was a great episode. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I was. I think I was saying earlier uh, when they did the. Uh, the previously on, and they actually went back to the original series. I was like, "Oh, this is awesome! I can't believe it!" <laughs> and then I was like, "And then I was like, can they do this? Wait, is there a copyright problem? I'm just not really sure. Is this okay?" Um, 
Well, obviously, because they just aired it. So, yes, I'm pretty sure it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it also gave me, like, historical context because I was still trying to figure out, like, okay, from what we know of Pike from the original series, you know, did Discovery happen after the stuff, you know? Um, after Talos 4? After Talos or not. And so I'm glad that they, that they uh, did this because, yeah, now I know that he's already been to the planet. He's already met Vina. Um, and so... You know, things that are going to play out with, you know, Kirk at the helm and and Spock, you know, um, taking, uh, you know, taking over the ship and, and almost getting court-martialed. It's going to take place later. Yeah. Well, we knew that was going to be later because Kirk doesn't have Enterprise yet. So you knew that was later. But I like that they showed that this was before. So this has already happened. And I wasn't sure where it was in the timeline. So I'm really glad that they did this. But, yeah, I just – I love – uh, Spock and Michael together. I'm really liking this. Is the first because they've had crazy. They've had crazy Spock, and the, now that he's not as crazy, he's basically Spock now. I'm really liking their interactions. But I get. Uh, I agree with uh, Tom that I need more flashbacks to them as kids. Yeah, I like that little the little baby Spock, like the one that's like. Seven. Oh, he's so he's, he's so adorable. Cute. And um, I want to see more of him. All right, let's move on. So we're giving it thumbs up. Uh, Next up, let's talk about legacies. And when I say we, I mean you guys. This is the episode that got me a little verklempt. And um, I want to know what you guys thought. Well, uh, yeah, I remember uh, talking last week, you know, when we saw the previews and I was like, oh, my gosh, we have to go back to Landon again because I just don't (laughs) Landon in them. Um. But um, I guess um, I, I had um, a two things. One, I didn't believe for a moment that Landon was dead. I mean, if we've gone through all this trouble, we had an entire episode, which I complained about, which was complete exposition to kind of explain, you know, Landon's mom and the whole thing, you know, and then have, you know, him be bit by a vampire and then he's supposed to be dead. I mean, so all of the stuff that happened with regards to people crying and, and oh my gosh, you know, I can't believe this happened. And all the, you know, the weeping that was going on, you know, with, with, uh, MG, um, you know, uh, I can't believe I did this. And, you know, I, I just didn't believe any of it because I except knew he wasn't that, dead. Except even if he's not dead, he still killed him. That still happened. He might come back from it, but MG still committed the act. That's not, yeah. that's like, I threw you off a cliff. You're okay now, but I still threw you off the cliff. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah but there's, be- there's still. Yeah, I think that the, it's more about the consequences that of, of everybody else's actions rather than what specifically happened to land to Landon. I mean, we know now that he's a phoenix, whatever that <laughs> is supposed to be, and um, that's fine for him. So that that mystery is solved. But I think it's more the impact that this episode had on MG, because this was about him finding out what was really going on with his father and, ha- and finding, you know, the, what his mother's been doing and all of that and coming to this point where he was forced into a confrontation to reveal himself, to out himself to his dad. Well, and, and that, the consequences and, and sorry, of that. That didn't really make a lot of sense to me either because, I mean, it's one thing for 
Alaric to make a deal with the mom. Okay, you got a kid that died and came back from the dead, and so we're going to whisk him off to a school. It's one thing for Alaric to make the deal with the mom, you know, because of the dad's religious beliefs. But then when you've got this kid at your school and then you don't even tell him that his dad thinks he's dead, that just really didn't sit right with me. Yes, well, I think that's the, the not supposed the... to. That's the point. You're not, yeah, it's not but supposed it's, to sit well. And it's that his mother made that uh, as, as in an absolute condition of his coming to the school right. that he wasn't going to tell him. And the thing is with, with MG, we've had all this uh, information in the beginning about how it's possible for him to turn into, uh, I think it's a ripper, is what they call it, um, because he's so easily influenced and and so emotional, and you know it's always the quiet ones kind of thing. So we're, I think that this this is all the, the little building blocks that are being built to to a conclusion where he's he's going to either become that or at least be on the precipice of going either way. Yeah, and, and, and the and, trauma with his father is what pushed him to, you know, in that moment when he's talking to Landon and he's angry at Landon, he's like, I have nothing left to fight mm-hmm. this monster for because my family's gone. I don't have anything that grounds me anymore. And that's kind of the point of, of that. I think overall, <laughs> I think the episode, I loved it. I thought it was one of the better episodes. And whether or not I believe, like, for me, I guess I more hoped Landon was dead. But I didn't, you're right, I didn't really believe he was dead either. <laughs> but I care about Hope. I care about MJ, um, MG, and I care about them. So even though when they're crying, I feel their pain. Whether I believe Landon was dead or not, they did. And so I felt... And Raphael, I felt how upset they were, and I was upset for them. And that's why I was crying. Um, you just obviously have no feelings, Greg. And uh... No, it wasn't that. <laughs> you know, it's, no, it just seemed like, you know, uh, it, I just didn't see any reason why, you know, once MJ is at the school, why he, he wouldn't at least let MJ know, like, look, you know, because the mom said, do not tell him or I will send him somewhere else. That was her thing. She was like, I'm putting him in this school. He can never know about his dad or I'll put him somewhere else. If he finds out about his dad, then he gets pulled out of this school. That was what the mom said. That was her condition. And Alaric agreed. I thought, see, I didn't read it that way. I thought it was that he was just supposed to not contact his dad. Well, that's part of, that's how, so that the dad wasn't supposed to find out. Not that it was wasn't okay for MJ no. to know everything's going on because that just made MJ MG, want to by the way. Dad. But no, that was it was both. That was what the oh, mom MG, said. Sorry, MG. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, that made it complicated, and it and it was morally complex, and that's what Alarcus was talking about in the woods when he was talking to uh, Caleb. He was like, "Yeah, I know it wasn't necessarily the right thing to do." And he was like, but I had a choice between trying to help MG or telling him the truth. And it was a crappy situation that the mom put him in. Yeah, I think it's a fine line when Alaric is running school and sometimes he wants the kids to step up and be adults. Um, And then other times he, you know, treats them like kids. And it's just, it's it's kind of a weird uh, relationship. Well, yeah, because they're... They're at the cusp. They're teenagers. So that's always good. You know, that's going to be the case where, 
you don't know if you can teach treat them like adults or kids because they kind of go between back and forth. So you know that makes sense. All right, let's and also remember this is the same guy who's not telling his own daughters that they're going to be at each other's throats in a few years. So, <laughs> right. oh, yeah. by the way, kids. <laughs> yes. All yeah, right. You're going to kill each other. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Supernatural, and this episode was basically a weird, like, resolution to the whole season, so now I'm like, so what are you going to do for the rest of the season? So, the whole Michael thing gets resolved by, uh, Dean getting hit upside the head and knocked unconscious, and while he's unconscious, why, why this couldn't happen when he's asleep, I don't know. (laughs) They make it seem like he never fell asleep for the last couple of months. So he gets knocked unconscious. It allows Michael to break out and find another host. Um, so if you ignore the whole sleep aspect and just go with this, <laughs> you're like, all right. And I don't even understand how he convinced Rowena. He was like, I can take you or I can find another host. The thing is, someone has to say yes to Michael. There's no one that was in the bunker that was going to say yes to Michael. So his whole threat didn't even make any sense. So I, I don't get that. I had more of a problem with that than anything else. Well, I think his threat wasn't that he was going to try to to get into the body of other people. He was just going to murder them flat out, which he but did he, anyway. Well, he but he couldn't do it without a body. So somebody would have to say yes to him in order for him to murder everyone. Uh, so his threat to Rowena was like, say yes or I'll find... He says to her... Say yes, or I will find another host and murder everyone. If you say yes, I won't do it. But that goes to the proposition that he's going to be able to get somebody to say yes in the next five minutes that you couldn't warn everyone in the bunker. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Ah, eh, whatever. Um, And then they kill Michael. And over the end, what? Yeah, it seemed very anticlimactic. As as tired of this as I was getting, it seemed like they they you know they built all this up, and they've they've also got you know the the equivalent of if you show a gun in Act One, it better go off by Act Four. Right. They've got that that coffin that they were going to dump in the ocean. Right. And I kept waiting for the moment that they would find an appropriate body to do that with, and then, and, nope. and instead they do this. And how it is that Jack couldn't defeat Michael before when he was in perfect health, but suddenly can defeat him now when he's weakened. Um, It it just, I, I didn't really get that. Um, So it's, it's like, you know, he, he get he kills him and he absorbs his grace. So he's fully powered now. Yay. Whatever. And, you know, as much as I, I think a fully powered Jack is more interesting than a human one, and the, the whole Michael storyline was getting dragged out, I still wanted to see a genuine payoff for it, and not, ah, we're bored of this, let's just go on to something else. Which is what it felt like. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, even the previously, they were kind of uh, foreshadowing, and kind of throughout the first part of the the episode, that Jack was kind of getting impatient and, you know, kind of doing this thing where he was going to sacrifice himself. He knew that he, that the magic was, you know, tethered to his soul. And every time he used his magic, then um, his part of his soul was going to burn away. And so I thought they were going to kind of play that out. And then bing, bang, boom. Uh, the end of the episode, we have like a complete reset. Everybody in the book, because, you know, you even had the scene where, you know, they're, they're off, you know, here's, here's Sam and Dean, like off doing their, 
um, their hunting like they normally do. But, you know, they establish this whole thing that Sam um, has feels like he has this responsibility for all these people back in the bunker that he's got to train and, you know, make into good hunters. And then in one episode, it's like we kill everyone in the bunker. Uh, we kill Michael and we, you know, make Jack whole again. Uh, let's reset and start again. Yes. Yeah. I lame. I call lame. All right. So, so is this the last season? Does anyone know? No. Oh, no. No. This thing is going to be renewed until we're all in the great beyond ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> we will be ghosts haunting them. That, that's it. The, the brothers will be hunting us. All right. Uh, next up, let's talk about uh, the blacklist. <sighs> and okay, the reason all the so- the sighing is happening is this week they promised us that Red was going to break out and he wasn't going to be in this prison story anymore. He's been in prison for half the season, and I'm like, I'm over it. And so then they're having this big breakout, and I was like, Yay! This is going to be great. We're going to get out of prison, and we're actually going to have the show that I'm used to that I like. And, and then, and then at the last moment he gets caught and now he's going to get lethal injection next week. And I'm just like, well, at least for this, either they're going to put us out of our misery, you know, there's an option or he's actually going to get out next week. Like that's, those are our options. But it just annoyed me when he, I, you know, we, I, it's like I was with it the whole way and I was, going yay great storyline and i'm 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 like all there until suddenly you know it just turns and and they all go running after him and i realize he's not going to make it to the helicopter and i'm like again again we are still stuck in this prison again yep and i i was i was very annoyed well, because i going... i am so over this storyline i'm over it too I, yeah and uh, it's just, you know, to, to have it get that close and then go, no, we're dragging you back into prison with him. Um, no, no. Uh, uh, well, you so know, I, mean, I feel like what they're doing is they're going to force, uh, what's her name? Oh, good Lord. Kate, Catherine, Keen. Keen. There oh, we go. Elizabeth. <laughs> Elizabeth. I was going to get there. Elizabeth. Lizzie. Um, so I think they're going to get to where she admits that she's the one who did they got him there and she's getting her guilt is especially if he almost gets killed because her objective was not to get him killed that was not what she wanted at all yeah she but was, even if she revealed that it's not going to to release him from prison oh i know but i just feel like that might be something that happens that comes out i think he's gonna definitely get out and she's gonna i think she's gonna do whatever she has to to get him out because she doesn't want him because it's her fault all this is her fault yeah, of and course. So I feel like that's gonna propel her to do something crazy to get him out. Yeah, but it's just so. I mean, it's like it's the equivalent of of actually. You know, we were just speaking about Landon and legacies. You know, they're not going to kill Red. Yeah, they've. You know, they, he's he's the show. They're, they're, yeah, there's there no, no way that he's going to no, get a lethal there's, injection. There's, a, the there's zero stakes whatsoever of showing him yeah. in a lethal injection room. I don't think he's going to get executed. At all, unless this was like the last season, which we are pretty sure it's not. So, yeah, the last episode of the last season. Then maybe you know, I, mean, I would then, believe it, but no. But yeah, that's not the case, so yeah. not happening. Anyway, so this is a, basically, next week feels like a waste of my time, but I feel like I got to get through it to get to the other end. 
Um, any other thoughts before we move on? That's pretty much it. There was a there was a you know a a blacklister story too, and oh yeah, they the did that. Banker. Yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> and they were appropriately evil, and I was glad when the one guy died and the other guy was caught. But you know, whatever. Yep. <laughs> All right. Next up, we're going to talk about Doom Patrol. And uh, Aaron, let's start you off with Doom Patrol. What do you think? Yes, um, I have to say this is my favorite borderline, weirdly campy superhero show since the <laughs> 1970s Wonder Woman, Shazam, and Spider-Man. Um, I'm just having so much fun with this show. It's so weird. I can't figure out where it's going, and I love it. I love that they're not going overboard with CGI. Yes, Robot Man looks like a tin can, but I like it for some weird reason. Um, I think that uh, this episode was a blast. I'm, I love seeing them, um, you know, work together. And sort I of finally work together. Sort of, but I, I love that I finally got to see Rita um, use her power other than turning into a big blob. Yes. Because um, this is the Rita from the comic books. Um, yes. You know, normally she can turn into a giant. Um, and I hope we don't fall into one of those uh, situations with like Medusa from um, the Inhumans where they didn't have the money to properly CGI and properly use the character. So I'm hoping that they're going to go forward and use Rita because she's so interesting to me. Um, and uh, I love, I actually love this version of Cyborg. Yes, he's in a tracksuit, so they don't have to, you know, put him in a whole full superhero gear. But well, he's he's wearing it underneath. Underneath, but they don't have to show it. And and yeah. so, I, and I'm appreciating that weirdly, um, and how they try to work together, but they can't get along. They're antiheroes. So um, I love this weird storyline about having to read this boy who will bring about the end of the world. So. Um, I'm finding it just very entertaining. I like Mark Shepard is now added to whatever <laughs> crazy is because he's he's like yeah. drunk, not caring. He's like, oh, you guys, can, you guys can talk amongst yourselves. It's not anything like the end of the world or anything, you know. And uh, <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna go get wasted later. Yeah. <laughs> well, just a uh, f- fun fact, which I talked to Libby about a little bit before the podcast. Willoughby Kipling, his character, was created because when Doom Patrol initially was revived, this when this version of Doom Patrol was revived at DC Comics, mm-hmm. it was under the DC label, and Constantine Hellblazer was under the Vertigo label. So they asked, mm-hmm. can we use John Constantine? And the answer was no. <laughs> Eventually, Doom Patrol did move to the Vertigo side. Yeah. But that's why Willoughby Kipling is an officially sanctioned knockoff of John Constantine. <laughs> so, although, you know, maybe we can get uh, a team up with, you know, with Legends Constantine and Doom Patrol's Kipling. They could have a they could have a I'd watch off. that. I'd yeah. totally watch that. But yeah. no, it, you know, it's 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 fun. It's um yeah. it's not really pretentious. It's right. very strange and revels in its oddity. Yes. And so far it's the shining star of the DC Universe Originals. I think Swamp Thing will be the uh will be the gold standard just because yeah. of the pedigree of who's involved behind the scenes. Yes. But uh, you know, to take a bunch of loser wannabe heroes mm-hmm. and cobble them together on this quasi team, <laughs> it's working. 
It is. I love seeing negative man fight with himself, with his, oh. his inside self. They can't get along. I'm loving it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that adds a lot of cool, interesting layers. Yeah, I actually like that. I'm not sure where that story's going, but mm -hmm. I'm curious. I think he wants him to... I, I think they want to communicate in some kind of way. It looks like that's what he's trying to... Yeah. It's going towards them being able to talk to each other. Um, what, what's interesting is, in the comics... They never really explained the relationship between uh, the the being inside Larry and the being inside. You just right. it, it seems that Larry has complete control over the being, or they're in complete communication. Yeah. This is a much more interesting take. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, so we're saying thumbs up. You guys are in for next week. Oh yes. yeah. All right. If you guys have any questions or comments, leave them at tvcampfiregmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. Listen to us on GetThePointRadio.com, Krypton Radio, Weedonopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.